Welcome to BSD Talk number 32. It's Thursday, April 13, 2006. I only have an interview today, so we'll skip right to that. Today we're speaking with Joe Marcus Clark, and he is a free BSD developer. So I want to thank you for coming on to this podcast and maybe give you an opportunity to introduce yourself and explain the different things that you're working on with the FreeBSD project. Thank you. Um, my name is Joe Marcus Clark. I've been a FreeBSD developer now for, I believe, four years. I've uh, been using FreeBSD for over ten and a half. And my main focus, the way I got into FreeBSD, the way I got into the committing part of FreeBSD was with the GNOME project. I also wear a few other hats in the project. I do work with the port management team, and I do repository work, so repo copies for those uh, in the FreeBSD know. Uh, I do the copies of old ports to new ports for developers. I've also done some minor user land work specifically for um, skinny Cisco IP phone telephony in our uh, lib alias, our NAT gateway. But GNOME has been and still is and will be my primary focus in the project. And what got you interested in the GNOME desktop? I guess a funny story. I Back in the day, I just transitioned away from KDE to Afterstep because KDE was screwing up with some uh, Java applications that I, I needed to use. And GNOME 1.0 had just come out, and I thought, you know, I'd like a desktop. Afterstep is nice, but I'd like... I'd like to perhaps get a, a fully integrated desktop, so I went with it. And after asking a, a few stupid questions on the mailing list, uh, I thought, you know, I can start fixing some of these things. This isn't too bad. I'd done a few ports before. And so I started committing or submitting uh, patches to Maxim Sobolev, who was the uh, uh, project sort of uh, FreeBSD project leader at the time. And he got tired of committing my patches, so he said, you know, I'm going to offer you a commit bit, and I jumped at it. It's something I'd wanted for a long time. And I thought it was funny because uh, my work, my real work, uh, deals more in networking. I thought it was funny that I got into the desktop side of things. But since doing that, I find it very rewarding. I get a chance to do some lower-level stuff, and uh, I, I don't plan on giving it up anytime soon. And what do you think makes GNOME a nice fit for the FreeBSD desktop? There's obviously uh, a lot of choices out there. What makes it work well, you know, I guess some of the... Questions are around, you know, the GNOME desktop is starting to add more administration tools and stuff like that. So how well does it integrate with FreeBSD? Is it pretty much just a paint job on top of it, or does it uh, work pretty well in the internals? My marketing hat doesn't fit too well, but beyond what people know about the GNOME desktop, it works out of the box. It's not as flashy, maybe, as KDE with all the knobs that you can tweak right away. It's got enough there, enough integration there for the common user, and then it gives the more advanced, sophisticated users a way of turning on some extra things once they get uh, familiar with how the desktop works. But on the FreeBSD side, we, my, the, the FreeBSD GNOME team, have done a lot to port some of the lower-level stuff to make things a little bit nicer, like the network applets, the monitoring applets. You can monitor your wireless state. You can monitor your network activity. 
Uh, you can do things more on the hardware level where you're monitoring performance of the system, looking at file system statistics. So we, we have done a lot of that lower level integration, and you've got the greater higher level things like Evolution, which is a great group where a suite, I use it for email and calendaring, and it ties into Exchange at work. And it's got a great integrated browser with Epiphany. So it, you've got the simple things for the uh, basic users just wanting to get into Unix, into FreeBSD. You've got some more advanced things for uh, sophisticated, more familiar users. And at, at the same time, it's a lot more modular than some of, uh, of the other desktop offerings so that you can tweak what you want to install. You don't have to lump on this huge thing and wait forever for packages to install or things to compile. You can say, you know, I, I don't necessarily need Evolution, but I'd like the panel and I'd like the Nautilus desktop. So you can pick and choose that and still come up with a very powerful desktop that fits your needs. What are your feelings around the overall development direction of GNOME and specifically, I guess the question is, is it fairly Linux-specific, or do you find that GNOME is fairly operating system agnostic? When I started out, I was very nervous, very apprehensive about how they would be re receptive to my input on the desktop developers list. And I was very pleased when they said, oh, no, we are not Linux-focused. Your input is valuable to us. And I thought, great, this is awesome. So in the beginning, it was easy for me to weigh in on module decisions and say, you know, this is a cool module, but it's only it only works on Linux right now. And in the beginning, I, I got away with that. These days, unfortunately, everyone on the on the list is talking about distro this and distro that, and the modules that they're starting to consider don't have FreeBSD, don't have Solaris. They're very Linux specific. And while the uh, GNOME group is very receptive to patches from non-Linux operating systems, Solaris, I've committed a few. The NetBSD project sends a few patches that, that are great. Things like HAL, the hardware abstraction layer, and network manager, uh, GNOME power manager, these things are being considered as modules, and they're absolutely at this time, un and unfortunately, Linux-specific. And my opinion, and I don't have any evidence to back this up, but from the conversations I hear on the list, is that the majority of the core GNOME developers don't use anything but Linux as their primary GNOME development platform. There are a few Solaris contributors and committers from Sun, actually. They do a lot of the documentation. But I, I really get a strong Linux sense. And I, I have, on IRC, gotten a chance to speak with some of the KDE developers and the FreeBSD KDE developers. And they seem to be a lot more in tune with other platforms, specifically FreeBSD. They, they seem to care if things will work or where the FreeBSD is going with regard to things like hardware support so that the desktop can be better integrated. And I like that, and I'd like the GNOME project to start embracing uh, that more, but it, it's, it's been a bit of a battle. You also were involved in the work on the new DBus architecture for notification. Right. I didn't know if you could mm -hmm. speak a little bit about that and how you try and get that to integrate well with the BSDs. The way I got familiar with it was I wanted to get a port of HAL, the hardware abstraction layer, which is going to be this great thing if, if and when we get it ported to FreeBSD. It will really tie the whole desktop uh, thing into the operating system very nicely. One of the chief dependencies of HAL was DBus, which wasn't used by very many components at the time. 
And when I got into porting it, I found that there was one big FreeBSD-specific or non-Linux-specific roadblock uh, with sockets and credential passing on sockets. And once that got ironed out, the port was, was generally stable, worked very well, um, and so I was, I was pleased about that. And as Dbus began to evolve, there were other uh, Linux systems that crept into it, and one was the ability for Dbus to monitor for new applications when they are installed and if they install uh, service offerings, uh, Dbus services. The Linux port would automatically pick this up using the Linux iNotify feature, and you wouldn't have to restart the system bus. And I thought, well, this would be great to add to FreeBSD. And fortunately, we have this great kernel interface, the KQ, that would allow us to do a very similar thing. So with KQ now, I'm able to monitor and achieve the same thing that the Linux port has, wherewith you, you install an application that installs a Dbus service, automatically that service becomes available. And the great thing is Dbus is becoming more and more popular and allows for uh, event and message passing. One of the ways I use Dbus every day now uh, beyond the, the new GNOME screensaver is Rhythmbox, the uh, GNOME Audio MP3 AUG application. It has a Dbus and, and LibNotify tie-in such that whenever the song changes, I get this little pop-up saying, playing a new song. So I know the port works. It works great. And I think this new common message bus is going to be embraced by other desktop development groups so that we have now one way of passing messages between applications. So Dbus has definitely got a bright future. And fortunately, it, it also has a bright future on FreeBSD. Now, when you say other desktop development groups, are you hinting at other desktop environments such as KDE? Yes. I'm hinting at KDE. There's, a, I believe it's the Portland project, which has been announced recently. Ways of tying together. Uh, Portland's more for making applications that uh, desktop agnostic, but the free the free desktop project, which sponsors HAL, sponsors Dbus, and a few other things, is trying to unify the desktops instead of all this constant competition and bite shedding and wars over whose desktop is better. Unify some of these underlying things. So to avoid code duplication and to come up with a best of breeds um, for doing some common desktop-related tasks. Now, Dbus, with its message passing, is this eventually going to be a replacement for the CORBA architecture that was part of the original GNOME design? I, I think so. It's going to be a, uh, a replacement, from my understanding, of the LibBonobo infrastructure within GNOME for doing these sort of dynamic object and, and message passing between applications. Um, and already it's been, at least in this latest release of GNOME 214, it's been diffused into a lot of different modules. Uh, it, these days we're just turning it on by default. In the past it was a, an optional thing, and now applications just will not build these days without Dbus. So we're, we're starting to see this transition. CORBA is still hugely important, and uh, I don't see it going away anytime soon. Orbit is still uh, Orbit is the uh, uh, GNOME uh, CORBA uh, object broker. It's still in there. It's not going away that I can see in 2.16 and maybe in 3.0, um, but it, it's, it's around to stay for a while. How well are you able to keep up with the GNOME release schedule? We have a two-tier model. Uh, this current stable release we maintain in the ports tree, in the monitor, you know, in the FreeBSD CDS. You can look at it on fresh ports. That maintains the current stable release, uh, which is 
current GNOME stable release right now is 2.14. The previous was 2.12, but due to a, a release freeze because we're getting ready to put 5.5 and 6.1 out, the ports tree still watches 2.12. But what we do is I host my own CVS tree at marcuscom.com, and that is where we focus our development. So as soon as 2.15 comes out in preparation for 2.16, we'll move the 2.14 stuff out of our, uh, my tree into the ports tree, and we'll move 2.15 in. And we got a large base of FreeBSD users who are willing to test this, uh, at times, very unstable code and help make the next release not only a good GNOME release, but a good FreeBSD GNOME release. And the one of the other advantages of that is we're right there with them. Sometimes within hours of their announcement, I can announce that we have 2.14.1, and we're very close at this point, or you know, 2.15.whatever. So we, we try to keep that parallel development so that we can give them uh, the GNOME project bug feedback and that our users keep up with what's going on so that when we come out with a release, we've got things like screenshots to share with our users, new known issues, new documentation things. And our users really appreciate that because when we throw in this new release into the tree, it's not like we just cobbled this together at the last minute. We've done a lot of testing, not just ourselves, but users using this in production as their desktop. So the, the known issues we can cut down, we can cut down a lot of the, oops, uh, miss that, have to update this port or whatever, and our users appreciate that. You know, I don't know whether it's just my limited view of things, but it, it appears to me as though a lot of the desktop BSD initiatives that are going on, you know, sub-projects or forks, mm -hmm. seem to push the KDE desktop. I don't know what it, you know, why that is and what it might take to make GNOME more popular, but that may be a completely false uh, view on my part. I don't know what your thoughts it, it, are. No, it's, it's true. I, I see the same thing. I see a lot of FreeBSD developers seem to uh, embrace KDE over GNOME. We do have some pretty uh, influential, I say influential, I mean uh, developers who do a lot of a lot of work, not just uh, flyby commits of the kernel and, and Eric Anhold, uh, Aid Lovett, and people who, who are very active in the project are using GNOME or test GNOME for us and help us test it. But I, I don't really know why things like desktop BSD uh, are embracing KDE more. I think maybe the some of the appearance, I think people tend to like that better. Uh, GNOME's appearance has generally been flat for uh, the last few releases. And I think we're going to see a big uh, change in 2.16 that may attract more people. So I think maybe the attractiveness uh, I think some people like the different tools that KDE offers, but I, I think we're seeing some vast improvements on the GNOME side uh, with relation to some of those tools, like gedit is going to become a more, or has become a more powerful editor. But maybe it's it's KDE was there first, uh, and, and by there I mean to a state where people could use it and felt comfortable with it, just like I became comfortable and a user of GNOME first, now I wouldn't see myself changing because that's what I've gotten into. I'm very receptive, and our team is very receptive to anyone who says, you know, I'd love to do this and that with GNOME. If anyone uh, from those other fork projects wanted to approach us and help develop something canned and out of the box, I've got some great ideas. And one thing about our group is we seem to pioneer a lot of these newer 
technologies. Uh, we put out DBus. We maintain a lot of the lower-level X-related stuff, the free type. We do Mozilla. We do Firefox. And, and the GTK toolkit, which GNOME is based on, is more pervasive. So I, I would think more people would like to stick with GNOME, but uh, KDE seems to attract them, and I don't have, unfortunately, all the answers as to why. Here's a question that might be perhaps outside what you're working on. I figure I'll throw it your way anyway. Um, there's been a lot of buzz recently around this 3D OpenGL desktop uh, compositing window manager stuff in the Linux world. Mm-hmm. And one question I had was that uh, a lot of it depends on commercial drivers for mm-hmm. video cards. And I don't know whether you've seen some of this coming down the pipeline in, in GNOME, and what the situation is around 3D Accelerated X and the FreeBSD world. Well, I, I myself, uh, there are a lot of FreeBSD uh, people, a lot of our users who are into 3D gaming. For me, my computer, I, I generally use it more for development and using the Internet. I don't do a lot of gaming, and the only 3D I really have on there is my screensaver. And with the acceleration, right now I... Uh, I have multiple computers, some running the commercial NVIDIA drivers, which seem to do the acceleration very well. My laptop has ATI, and I'm waiting to get some patches so that I can use the acceleration there. I ha- and, and because of these different drivers, I haven't really sat down and looked at some of this new uh, rendering and composite stuff. Uh, I know that the Metacity window manager in GNOME is capable uh, of doing some of this uh, but I, I haven't had a chance myself to play with it. Some of our users are reporting mixed results, some success, some it doesn't work at all for them, and I think it does boil down to some what drivers they're using. But the, the team, myself and the, and the team, I don't hear us talking much about 3D. We're mostly uh, just working on the various, uh, porting the various desktop and related modules. But if it becomes big, then, yeah, we're we're going to have to immerse ourselves into it. So do you have the luxury of working uh, with FreeBSD as your desktop during your workday, or is this something that you want on the side? Uh, a little bit of both. Um, I've got at work four computers that I use more or less simultaneously for different tasks. I've got a Solaris workstation. Next to that is Mac OS X. Next to that is my FreeBSD laptop, and next to that is my FreeBSD desktop on which I do GNOME development. So the desktop machine runs whatever the latest leading edge release of GNOME is with all the debugging compiled in so that I can get good core dumps and everything. Work is is fairly flexible uh, in that they let me do things with GNOME as long as it doesn't interfere with FreeBSD, as long as it doesn't interfere with my real work. So I I have time to um, do patches or look at critical things at work if need be. So with all those systems in front of you, uh, which one do you find yourself gravitating to? Uh, I use my FreeBSD laptop a lot. I'm, I love the Evolution Groupware suite. Uh, I switched off of Pine to that, and, and I haven't looked back. Pine, I, I could never find a graphical email client I liked, and Evolution did it for me for whatever reason. I like the way it does threading. I like the way I can do filtering and marking messages. I love the way that the calendar works and the fact that it integrates with Exchange makes working uh, with the Exchange server we have at work great. The LDAP integration is excellent. Uh, I love 
the uh, Epiphany web browser. Uh, it's smart bookmarks and the uh, way I can just put in all my work-related search fields there and make things so much easier. Um, the web-based applications I need to use at work uh, work very well with either Firefox, Epiphany, or sometimes I have to go to uh, pure Mozilla. But I can do just about everything I need to do on that FreeBSD laptop. I got Abbey Word, OpenOffice, Gnumeric to view my documents. It's great. I, it doesn't crash and stays up. Gnome fits my needs perfectly. And when you're porting Gnome, are you primarily porting it to the i386 platform, or does it seem to have equal weight among the 64-bit stuff? And I know there's, uh, I guess, unofficial support within FreeBSD for some other architectures. So I didn't know how those, how well those are supported. I do have a uh, AMD 64 server at my house that I do GNOME builds on. I, I have a, a port tenderbox project that I also maintain, and I, I do builds of GNOME for AMD 64. I don't, unfortunately, have the resources to test AMD 64 uh, as a desktop platform. So my work, and I think all but maybe one of the FreeBSD GNOME team is this way. We, we primarily focus on i386. And GNOME has gotten a lot better in, in terms of 64-bit support. We are still finding a few things here and there, and we usually leave it up to the users who report the problem. We try to get a backtrace uh, out of GDB from them or, or look at compiler warnings to see if pointers are being passed as integers, um, see if we can track down the problems. We've had some good success with that. So I, I think FreeBSD, uh, GNOME on FreeBSD is fairly stable on both i386 and AMD64. The uh, IE64 and Spark64 ports are a different story. I don't know of anyone running it as a desktop on IE64, and the team member who did Spark64 testing for us has been uh, AWOL for a while, but last I heard it was working okay on that platform. Claire, anything else you want to talk about related to GNOME or other projects you're working on? Well, I an open uh, petition to any listener if they're willing to help out with the project, uh, we have numerous ways people can volunteer. Uh, our documentation can sometimes be a bit lacking. Uh, so if there's people out there with a creative bug or good uh, technical documentation, that's always helpful. And as I mentioned before, the how, getting how the hardware abstraction layer project successfully working on FreeBSD would be a great win. It, it's not a silver bullet. It's not going to make us perfect by any means, but it will go a long way to bringing in some much-needed that cool desktop features of FreeBSD. And, and just yesterday, fortunately, one of our team members, Jean-Yves, he said that he was now working on it. So I've got some code that I've written. looks like he's writing some code. And if anyone out there is wants to learn more about FreeBSD internals is good or wants to get good with C programming, the help with that uh, port would be great. I guess one final question. Favorite text editor? My favorite text editor right now is VIM. Um, I use Gedit because Gedit integrates nicely with the Archive Manager file roller. I tend to use it a lot from time to time, but doing all my development, uh, I do VIM or GVIM. Thank you very much for speaking with me today. Thank you. Good luck with the upcoming releases, and let's hope we get some people helping out with HAL.
Great, thanks. All right, thank you. Thank you, bye. If you'd like to leave comments on the website, you can reach it at bsdtalk.blogspot.com or if you'd like to send me an email, you can reach me at bitgeist at yahoo.com. That's B-I-T-G-E-I-S-T at yahoo.com. Thank you for listening, and this has been BSD Talk number 32.